From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. This week, the federal government was caught out without a clear plan on two of the biggest crises facing the world right now, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and the resurgence of the Taliban in Afghanistan. In both instances, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has been accused of not sufficiently preparing for outcomes that many had predicted and responding too defensively. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on whether being underprepared is now a feature of Scott Morrison's leadership and what the consequences are. It's Friday, August 20. Morning, Paul. How are you? I have to say, not having been in lockdown for 12 months in Canberra, you forget just how closed in it really is. And that's from someone who lives in a house with a garden. So I really do feel sorry for the hundreds of thousands or indeed the millions who uh, live in apartments. How are you surviving? Are you making use of the garden, Paul, doing some gardening? Oh, yes. Um, well, fortunately, it's winter, so there's not a lot to do, but I am raking up leaves and other debris. <laughs> okay, so if you're good to go then, Paul, the federal government has been desperately trying to secure more doses of the COVID-19 vaccine to try and speed up the rollout, particularly to support the hardest hit parts of New South Wales. This week, it worked. They managed to get some more supply. So can you tell me a bit about that? Well, Ruby, you're right. It seems clear that in New South Wales, the virus is outrunning the lockdowns, exposing a vulnerable population that is now rushing to get vaccinated much later than would have been ideal. I want to turn now uh, to some good news. And the news today is that Australia's vaccination rollout is continuing to ramp up. Over 15 million vaccines have now been administered and one... The Prime Minister is now scrambling to secure the Pfizer vaccine from wherever he can find a willing seller. But there is hope. Indeed, there's a million, more than a million doses of hope on its way. And this week it was Poland. Earlier today, a plan, plane left Dubai, having left Warsaw last night. We have been in discussions with the Polish government now for several weeks. On Sunday, Scott Morrison announced Australia will receive an extra one million Pfizer vaccine doses from Poland, with young people in COVID-affected parts of Sydney to be given priority access. And we have secured an additional just over one million doses of Pfizer, and they'll start landing in Australia from tonight. The Prime Minister said the outbreak in New South Wales was a key factor in Poland's decision to release the doses to Australia. And I particularly want to thank uh, Prime Minister Morawiecki, who I've had numerous discussions with over these last few weeks and been in regular contact. Um, I want to thank him personally and his government for their support of Australia's COVID-19 response during this very challenging time. But it wasn't the only acquisition of vaccine doses that made headlines. The other news was more controversial. And that was the revelation that Australia had raided a half million doses from the COVAX scheme. Mm. So let's talk a bit about the COVAX scheme, Paul. Why was it controversial for Australia to tap into it like this? Well, Ruby, the, the scheme is operated by the World Health Organization, a key UN agency, and the idea is that rich countries, such as Australia, provide money to ensure vaccines can be set aside for poorer nations. 
But under a second stream, countries including Australia, Britain, Canada and New Zealand have also purchased vaccines, arguing that their own supplies have fallen short of expectations. In June, when the government was desperate to secure more vaccine, it tapped into the COVAX scheme and secured 500,000 doses of Pfizer. You know, that's more than twice the amount of doses distributed to the entire continent of Africa in the same month. Well, it's a decision that's been blasted by the international aid community who point out that for the pandemic to truly end, we need to vaccinate the entire world, not just Australia. And developing nations shouldn't be punished because of our own mistakes or derelictions. Now, Ruby, it really speaks to the Prime Minister's lack of planning on vaccines, but also on the other key issue of the pandemic. And one of the ideas that has been raised again and again, going right back to the beginning of the pandemic, Paul, is purpose-built quarantine facilities so that the country isn't as reliant on hotel quarantine. That is something that many states have been asking the federal government to help them with. So where are we up to with that, Paul? Is anything being built? (laughs) 18 months into the pandemic, Scott Morrison is clearly anxious to start looking like he's getting ahead of the game. And I learned this week of a bizarre intervention on the issue of hotel quarantine to that effect. The Palaszczuk government in Queensland had briefed the media this week that it had finally reached an agreement with the Commonwealth on the construction of the nation's third dedicated COVID camp at Pinkenbar near Brisbane Airport. But apparently Morrison wasn't all that happy about the announcement getting away from him. His people went ballistic. A memorandum of understanding led to a misunderstanding. The Feds had taken great exception to being preempted, and the fact that elements of the Intergovernmental Memorandum of Understanding, the MOU on the plan to build the site, had made their way into the public domain. I have to tell you, it left Queensland government officials bemused at what they described to me as over-the-top and petty comments. But, Ruby, I suppose it gives us an insight into the Prime Minister and his office right now, caught on the back foot, desperately trying to look like they're in control, when the evidence clearly paints a very different picture. We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Paul, this week there were 
devastating scenes in Afghanistan as the country fell once again to the Taliban. We'll be covering that in more detail on Monday with the Saturday Paper's Karen Middleton. But can you tell me a bit about the Prime Minister Scott Morrison's response to those events? Well, Ruby, yet again it was clear there was no plan to help either Australians stranded in the country, the local Afghan staff who worked with our forces, or those seeking asylum. None of this should have come as a surprise. We knew the US-led withdrawal was happening because we were part of it. Yet we saw the government scramble and change position multiple times during the week on what kind of assistance would be offered. This is not a simple process. It's very difficult for any Australian to imagine the sense of chaos and uncertainty that is existing right across this country. The breakdown in formal communications, the ability to reach people. Initially, Scott Morrison said that he wished things were different in explaining that not everyone who deserved our protection would get it. So it isn't just a matter of people coming along and presenting, you know, a payslip from the Australian government saying, I used to work for you. It is, I wish it were that simple. It is not that simple. It is incredibly complicated. But by the middle of the week, he changed his tune somewhat following a backlash from many, including Australian Afghan veterans. Okay, so what did he eventually decide on then, Paul? What's the position now? Last evening, Australia's operation um, to commence evacuating Australians and visa holders, Afghan nationals and others from Kabul commenced. On Wednesday, Morrison announced that an Australian Air Force plane would go into Kabul to rescue citizens, visa holders and some local former staff. We were able to get our first flight in last night, enabling us to transfer also in key personnel from the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, Home Affairs and Defence to facilitate the evacuation of citizens, uh, residents and visa holders, uh, Afghan nationals from Kabul. But that really is the bare minimum and only 26 passengers made it. It's a far cry from former Prime Minister Bob Hawke in 1989, when he granted permanent residency to more than 19,000 Chinese nationals after the Tiananmen Square massacre. I just made the decision on the spot that the Chinese students here in Australia would be permitted to stay. When I went off the stage, the, uh, the senior bureaucrat said... Uh, Prime Minister, you can't do that. I said, it's done. There are currently 53 Afghans in long-term immigration detention here, as well as more than 4,000 on what's called temporary protection visas. Now, they're mainly from the Hazara minority, who are regularly targeted by the Taliban. So there's no way they could safely be returned home. Uh, what I can confirm is this, though, and I have a very clear message on this. We will only be resettling people through our official humanitarian program going through official channels. The Prime Minister spoke of allowing 3,000 more Afghans in as part of our humanitarian cohort, but not if they attempt to come illegally. We will not be allowing people to enter Australia uh, illegally, even th at this time. Our policy has not changed. And I have to say that's a cynical description, given that no matter what way they come, it's not illegal to claim asylum. Mm. And a number of countries around the world have offered to accept tens of thousands of Afghan civilians who are fleeing the country right now. So far, it sounds like Australia is not going to do the same. 
Is there any chance of that changing, do you think? Well, Ruby, the Prime Minister has point-blank ruled out following Canada, the UK and other nations in offering to take up to 20,000 Afghan refugees. He's even ruled out following Tony Abbott's special exemption, which saw 12,000 additional refugees from Syria and Iraq allowed into our country after heightened hostilities in 2015. And the vehemence of Morrison's assertion of an unchanged boat people policy, well, it smacks to me of a desperate Prime Minister itching for another border security election. Now, that may have worked for a similarly hard-pressed John Howard in 2001, but two decades later, in light of all that's happened, it's looking particularly tawdry. And in my view, it's not the lifeline Scott Morrison needs to rescue his political fortunes. Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ruby. Bye. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... New South Wales recorded 681 locally acquired cases of COVID-19 and one death on Thursday. At least 59 of those were infectious in the community. The state's Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, announced a one-week extension of the lockdown in regional New South Wales after the region recorded 25 new cases. And in Victoria, none of the 14 people currently in hospital with COVID-19 have been vaccinated, despite nine being eligible. Authorities say it highlights the critical role of vaccines to prevent serious illness. Yesterday marked Melbourne's 200th cumulative day in lockdown. There were 57 new cases of COVID-19 recorded. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Elle Marsh, Michelle Macklem, Cara Jensen-McKinnon and Anu Hasbold. Our senior producer is Ruby Schwartz and our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you Monday.